Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bow, and Pastor Adam Osier have a special guest on the show. I guess that's me. Uh, celebrating the 300th episode of Being Lutheran, I was asked back to kind of do some catch-up and just to have some fun and fellowship and just talking about our love and passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, establishing students in the eternal and inerrant Word of God for a life of faith in Jesus Christ and faithful service to His kingdom since 1964. To learn more or to apply, look at flbc.edu. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. Pastor Adam Osier. And Pastor Brian Rickey. Welcome back. Yeah. yeah. Look, Welcome back. Uh, yes. Look what the Harley dragged in. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. On my Harley. Uh, driving over here was just a, a beautiful, beautiful ride. And uh, no, I really appreciate you guys asking me back to, to celebrate 300 episodes. Yeah, last week we aired number 300. Uh, wow. We've been doing wow. this for nearly seven years. Almost weekly. We usually miss one or two weeks a year because of schedule Me. conflicts, because of Brett Bow, mostly. <laughs> yes, your, yeah. your editor wasn't on time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, you know, when we started this seven years ago, uh, I never expected to get to 50. And hmm. we're wow. at, this is, you know, we hit 300. Uh, much, much thanks to the guy who produces all of this stuff and handles all the files. But uh, yeah, it's been. What does that say about your past, Jason, that you live in that sort of perpetual, like, disagree, you know, just disappointment that you didn't think past 50? Really? There there are some explanations for this. One, I'm Norwegian. Okay. (laughs) You know, uh, which what low expectations? What 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 did the Norwegian say after his hot air balloon started crashing to the to the ground? Yeah, sure. It could always be worse. (laughs) Uh, Two, I'm a Vikings fan. (laughs) Feed off of each other. But yes, uh, this was never intended to be a show that perpetuated itself. I mean, we've talked about this, but this is the time to do it. The reason why the Being Lutheran podcast exists is that. Uh, a bunch of my pastor friends wanted access to the Sunday school curriculum that I was teaching on the Book of Concord, and this is the only way that worked at the time to make it publicly available. And I thought mm-hmm. we would maybe burn through the catechism episodes, which, by the way, we got a hundred and some episodes out of the catechism all on its own, uh, but I, I didn't think we were ever going to get to this point, mm-hmm. or, I mean... We, I had someone look at the numbers a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, we're right in between twelve to 15,000 listeners uh, a month. Hmm. That's, that's awesome. It's not really expected. <laughs> right. Hmm. Yeah, and so, I mean, today's episode, we wanted to have Brian come on and, and do a little reflection, uh, thinking back of uh, where the Lord has brought us and, and um, just have a conversation that way. Yeah, we want to bring Brian back, have some memories, catch up with Brian, um, make Adam a little bit uneasy in his place in the podcast. Yes, this is this is kind of like if a band got together all of the former members of a band and. Uh yeah. I don't know. This is like a Van Halen ritual. Yeah, there you when, go. Uh, yeah. Sammy Hagar and David Lee Roth were in the room <laughs> together. 
I'd, do, I'd give you a lot less booze and, <laughs> and probably a lot less fighting. Uh, so. We yes, are probably yes, yeah. not going to nail the conference room table to the ceiling. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think it's a little uh, unfortunate that Ryan gets to do the editing of this episode, too, because everything he says, and I said, well, that was kind of a dumb answer. You know, just a <laughs> self-conscious way of responding, you know? Uh, Sorry, Brian. No, I, I mean, I did it before I... I I really resisted yeah, getting behind the mic because I, I wanted that, yeah. to just help Jason and Brett out. And so I'd bring my gear. We'd set up at, at your church, yep. at Jason's church. And I got I got to remember I'm pointing and I got to say what I, my hands are saying. So, But, yeah, we did that, and it was fun. And then I would make comments once in a while in between. Yeah, so the first 20 episodes were just Brett and I, and Brett and I would laugh off air because <laughs> Brian would be producing in the corner and he'd be squirming because he'd want to say something, especially when, you know, like, especially when maybe the Trinity came up or something like that. <laughs> so finally, after yeah. uh, one of the episodes, we begged you to just join us and we took off from there. And I can't even remember exactly the episode, but I know it had to do with abuse. And healing and nope. dealing with that on a practical level. And again, I can't remember exactly what... It was what, episode 20. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I just like, you know what, you know, because of my past and my own healing journey with the Lord, I just, you know, I just really felt I had something to say. I was just hoping it was going to be the one... You know, and then I'm done, you know, but yeah, didn't, didn't. As, as I recall, you enjoyed yourself so much during that one. I that did, actually. Kept going. So, it's because yeah. of you guys. You guys are so much fun. And then it was shortly thereafter that you were trying to set up in my office <laughs> and <laughs> there's like road yeah. construction outside yes. and the airplanes that. landing over my, my, you're like, I can't do this anymore. So we started going to your studio. A couple cars going by with really big subwoofers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, that was fun. I really enjoyed the the time uh, I was with you guys, and yeah, I, it's, I get to listen to you guys, you know, all, all four episodes at once. You know, when at I added still, yeah, really so I'd still do enjoy that, and yeah, it's good, Adam. So, and I think Adam, you do a great job. Yeah, I uh, I look back at some of the episodes, and it's fun to be able to be a part of this because we all know each other. Uh, we just, you know, before this recording, we went out for, for lunch and it goes back a long ways. And it's fun to, to, I think, get, get around the table with like-minded people. And, and, uh, I wish you were here all the time. I wish you, you, yeah. know, you live a ways away now. You yep. can take your yep. motorcycle, bring it back. I mean, even the winter time, you know, yeah, it's Let's put some spikes on there. Yeah, know? that's right. There's, <laughs> they put plenty of salt on the roads in Minnesota. Put a ski on the front wheel and get some spikes. It's called a snowmobile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Catch us up, Brian. Where uh, Do you remember, Brett, we looked this up recently. Yeah. When was the last episode Brian was on? Oh, the last. I just looked up. It was actually episode 22 was your first one oh, that oh, okay. you joined. Yeah. Um, I'd have Somewhere to... in like the 160s, I think, yeah, is where we ended up. But I... since uh, since Brian stepped away from the show, mm -hmm. you've since moved to eastern South Dakota. Yes. Uh, what have you been up to? Uh, just ministering again there's a two-point parish that i serve out there in lake norden south dakota and badger south dakota uh they're two small rural communities um i grew up on a farm so i always felt a little bit more comfortable there and um it actually started off as kind of an interim thing because they had been without a pastor for quite a while and i had some friends there so um that area is very close to arlington south dakota where i served for six years at Calvary Free Lutheran Church. And I knew these two churches because when I was actually serving at Calvary, uh, we helped them and I filled in and teaching their confirmation classes. So, it, you know, what was really cool this year is I actually got to 
officiate a wedding for someone I confirmed from those churches. And it was really special. And it was fun. And I really enjoyed that. So I had some connections with them. Also, the football coach for Arlington, South Dakota, who Zachariah, um, Samuel, and Eliah all played football under, he was the, the call committee chair. And so he called me one day, and I had already put my resignation in at Hope Lutheran Church, and I really didn't have anything lined up. And uh, I always tease my wife about this, and I, you know, and I just said, "Are you nervous about this?" She's like, "No, you always find something, and usually you know, you, there's always some God always provides." Yeah. And so I was really thankful for for that approach to this because I I just needed to change. There were some things that I just needed to to change, not only in my personal life, but but also just kind of in my spiritual life too. And so um, three days after I put my resignation in. Um, Steve Gilbertson called me, the head of this call committee, said, hey, do you know anyone that's looking? And they said, well, maybe the question is, you know, would you be willing? And I said, well, I said, I'm, I'm open. And I said, but, you know, it's a different denomination, so I got to be careful and I need to meet with, with the president. And I did with Lyndon Corn and try to talk through all of those things. And um, it, what started off as an interim thing ended up being, it's been almost three years now. Um, it's been a blessing because both churches were in the ALCA. They moved to the NALC, and um, you could see the remnants uh, of, of what, I'm just going to be honest, I guess, the remnants of what the ELCA had done to these congregations in a bad way. Not that all of it was bad, but a lot of it was. And it was fun to kind of lead them back slowly, gently, and I know that we're going to talk about confessions through the confessions mm -hmm. to a conservative Lutheranism that we all embrace, uh, to a Lutheranism that you know looks more like the Chemnitz Lutheranism, you know the, the second Martin, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> and it was fun to do that because you know I would always leave it in the hands of the council. I just would present the information, and it was it was it was pleasant. It was a pleasant surprise to see that many of them were troubled by how they were kind of nickel and dimed away, you know, from a biblical Lutheranism. Mm. And, um, like over a long period of time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, I mean, you know, it's that whole frog in the boiling water kind of a thing, you know. Yep. We get nickel and dimed in our life. We can get nickel and dimed in various areas. And it was really, I was really pleasantly surprised to see that they were upset by this in a good way, in a biblical way. So what did the... What did that journey back look like? Um, we we start. I started with the hymnals because we still had the ELCA Cranberry hymnals, and anyone who knows that knows what I'm talking about. And there were ve there were quite a few hymns in there that called God a she, and there were some heretical things, and they would change some of the words just because a lot of people in the ELCA didn't believe in eternal hell, and so some of those types of languages were changed and altered. And then even in the Nicene Creed, it was we instead of I. So it's like, okay, let's just throw away 1,500 years of heritage and just mm -hmm. say, well, we believe. And I understand the concept kind of behind that, but this is a time of personal confession and personal worship. Even though we're doing it corporately, this is still an individual confession of what we believe, teach, and confess. And so I said, we should really do that. And I said, I mean, the early church fathers were brilliant. And I know I've said this before on, on prior <laughs> episodes, that a lot of their knowledge makes our PhDs look like a kindergartner. Mm -hmm. the, the brilliance of some of these men and how they wrestled with this. And even the Nicene Creed, you read all of the, or the Niceno, Constantinopolitan Creed, whatever you want to call it. But as that was fleshed out, you know, in that fifth century, man, what a, what a beautiful struggle 
uh, of, of articulating something in a concise way that is so um, gigantic, you know, and I just, I just commend them. Yeah, and it, speaking of struggle, people were literally punched in the face as that creed developed. So yeah, <laughs> passion can yield some interesting things, you yeah. know. Yeah. So anyway, so that's kind of what that was, and then so it started there, and then in the confession, there were certain lines changed and removed, like especially the confession of sin in the beginning, where one of the lines that was removed was, "And we justly deserve your present and eternal punishment." Mm. That was mm-hmm. taken out because they didn't believe a lot either in like sure. an eternal hell. And in a, in a sense, and I'm not saying all the ELCA churches did this, but there was a large presence of people in the ELCA church that kind of believed that eternal security baptism view. Like you're baptized, doesn't matter how you live your life, doesn't, doesn't matter if you, you know, whatever. And, and that whole idea of not working out your salvation with fear and trembling, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind as an act of worship to a Savior who is truly worthy, all of that was just kind of like lost. You know, and, and so it wasn't like the the Sparkle Creed where it's like you know <laughs> wow. obvi- obvious. What it wasn't like a super obvious. This is ho- no. It was no, more, it was more like subtle. A subtle. Well, okay. I thought yeah. the Sparkle Creed was pretty subtle myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll have to fill me in on what that is. Oh, you got You haven't seen that. I'm kind of glad that I don't know what it is. Oh, you should use it sometime just to see if people are awake. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, well, but I, the frog in the boiling water yeah, is right. the proper metaphor for hmm. how that's done. You really get a sense that a lot of this was done subtly and insidiously to the point that people didn't even notice it was missing. Mm-hmm. Well, and what's funny is, so my kids were huge Andy Minio fans, and they, we still kind of are. And there's a line in one of his songs that says, every good lie has a little truth in it. Yep. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that was it because what was their definition of the authority? Well, uh, there's truth in God's word. Mm-hmm. But then who gets to judge? Yep. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What's the truth well, and what's the not? That's the distinction yeah. we've talked about. There's a difference between God's word is truth and God's word contains truth. Mm-hmm. And if God's word contains truth, you can still sound like you are honoring the scriptures, but then you automatically place yourself as the authority over scripture, getting to decide what is and what isn't truth based on whatever your appetite is at the moment. And, you know, the, the line that you said really got me is the removal of the, we have justly deserved your eternal punishment. That that's the whole move of the ELCA and all of modern liberal Protestantism is it's not the sin that's the problem. It's feeling bad about my sin. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get rid of the sin. You don't repent of your sins. You don't issue forgiveness for your sins. You get rid of that which makes me feel bad about my sins. And that's biblical antinomianism. That's what it does. You get rid of the sting right. of the law mm-hmm. and you don't need the gospel. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. they, so then it moved to the confessions and then... Uh, some of the camps that they were sending the kids to kind of changed that around. We started going to pick roll. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yep. I, I just got to speak up there with pastor Haugen. That was so much fun and a little nerve wracking at the same time. <laughs> but, uh, I, they love that camp. They're falling in love with like my kids did. And, yeah, um, good. Liz McCarlson just does such a, an incredible job at running that place. And I know there's other people behind the scenes doing it, but she just rocks. You know, confirm. that camp is like the <laughs> best camp that, and, and the churches around there that support that camp do such a great job of keeping the cost down. And it's 75 bucks for the week. These other camps that they were going to were like almost 400 bucks. Yep. 
it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so that was fun, and the kids are loving that, and we're, we've kind of about tripled, almost tripled in size for both congregations, and um, we did some off things. So I have my Harley gear on, we did a, a, biker, <laughs> uh, a biker and motorcycle blessing. So I didn't want to say just a bike blessing. I want to, I want to, I, we wanted to pray over the riders and the bikes, and some of those people who hadn't stepped foot in church in decades are now coming to church. And, um, this one guy, uh, we were, we were, we, we were at a local bar and grill just kind of talking and, and he's like, man, I'm afraid I'm going to walk in and just kind of like get lit on fire and blow up. Right. When I walk in, I said, dude, if I can be a pastor, you can come to church. I said, because if you knew my life between 18 and 24, I said, you ain't seen nothing. And I said, God's grace is extravagant and it's inexhaustible. And this rough and tumble biker guy got a little tear in his eye. Hmm. And I just said, hey, man, I don't, I don't know you, but I'm going to hug you. And so they started coming to church. And hmm. I just love those things. And so yeah. because, and my kids tease me, and I'm okay with embracing this. They're like, Dad, you're a lot more redneck than we thought you were. And I go, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> you know, and so just being able to be a presence in the community, in a community again, and uh, being in a place where I just feel at home, it's just, and the people out there are so great. You know, it's just a great place to be. It's a, it's a good state to live in. Cost of living is, you know, pretty low. And, no um, income tax. Yeah, no income tax. And <laughs> there's drama like you, you're going to have in any state, but uh, it's a good place to live. And it's amazing how many people are moving out there. We've got some New Yorkers that moved into the area that are coming to church now. And so it's, mm, it's interesting. That's mm. fascinating. So yeah. yeah, talk a little bit. You've, you've moved from rural to suburban to urban to rural ministry. Talk about that shift back now after you were in the cities for almost a decade. Uh, my, my first initial question in thinking about the differences, is, are there fewer riots <laughs> yeah, boy, I hope we had, I mean, yeah. honestly, I'm surprised, I'm surprised we didn't get hit because yeah. business around us did, they burned them down like a block away and there was some graffiti. And then we owned a house that was probably about a half a mile South of Hope and all the businesses around 42nd there, they all got burned. They drove cars into the walls and, you know, and there was a gas station on the corner that they literally blew up, you know, right on Penn and Dowling there. And it was, it was crazy. You know, and so, um, yes, there's less riots, but um, <laughs> that was that was mad. But the the interesting thing that before that that some people should know is I lived in I lived in downtown Minneapolis basically from 18 until you know till I moved out for Arlington, which would have been almost 40. So you know what I'm saying? So I've been there. It's not the same city, hmm. you know, and it's sad. But the biggest difference is in the city and in urban areas, you're dealing with destination churches for the most part, meaning that you can drive and you can have like, oh, I need these amenities for my church and I can go church shopping, quote unquote. And so you're dealing more with destination churches versus a community church where it's the only choice. And so the the there's pros and cons to both because a lot of times with destination churches, you have people that want to be there for the most part. You know what I'm saying? You're in a community church. It's like they, that's like, this is my church. And you sometimes you can do this in the city and you can do this in, in urban, but you can also, but in rural area, you fight a little bit against that country club mentality. I pay my dues. I, I want it my way. I want this, the carpet, this color. And so you have to deal with people that live in the community you know, with some of these difficult things, when you know that everybody's going to be gossiping about any type of thing that happens. And so you just have to be, be really careful and conscious 
that everybody's interconnected and most likely everybody's related somehow. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the primary differences. And so you just have to, I think you really have to play the long game more so in a rural community than you do in like an urban or or suburban community because you can kind of try things in the, in a church in like urban and suburban where people, it'll bounce off of them. But if you try something in a rural community that doesn't work well, yeah, they have elephant minds and in, in those kinds of things and they just, you know, it affects the community in a bigger way. Sure. Do you think there's trust issues too in, in a rural community that isn't true in an urban community? Meaning that, you, you know, like you said, with the uh, rural communities, mm-hmm. The, the people that have been there for a long time, there's a lot of interconnectedness, a lot of family, a lot of those kinds of things. And all of a sudden, you're the outsider. Whereas in an urban setting, you know, there's a lot of transition. There's a lot of transitory, you know, you know it's not that same sort of thing. And, and what does that look like as you're ministering uh, the gospel in those situations? You know, do, do you have to build that relationship? What does that look like? And I, I think there's two categories to what your question is. is one is, if you had a long term pastor that's been there for a long time who people loved, mm-hmm. you know, you got to try to fill almost like impossible shoes. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where it's like everything is compared to, well, that's how pastors so-and-so used to do that. So you've got that situation. And then you got situations where the pastors were so bad that you could go, you could work at quarter, quarter capacity and they'd still be happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so you kind of got both ways. And the danger of the second one where everybody's like, oh, you're, you're the Messiah. You're the savior of our, of our church. We're growing and stuff. Man, they kind of lift you up a little high and they have expectations that are a little bit unrealistic or maybe even unfair a little bit. So mm-hmm. the trust comes in the first one that you're going to somehow do it like the other pastor. And the trust in the second one is, you know, when you do screw up, how do you handle that? And how do you try to make it right? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you always have that honeymoon thing in both areas, but I would say that the first way lasts shorter than the second. Um, and so I, I think we're probably in that stage where the rubber's hitting the road, so to speak. And uh, we're trying to, to work out some of the things that probably should be changed. And, you know, that old phrase that's sometimes so dangerous for any church that this is the way we've always done it, you know, trying to deal with some of those things where it might be time to shelf that or either tweak it in a way that's going to minister to this community now versus 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. I had a pastor mentor of mine say that that was the name of the golden calf in Exodus. This is the way we've always done it. <laughs> Have you guys ever read that book that says golden calves make great hamburgers? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I love delicious. that book. Yeah, it was actually or sacred. No, sacred cows make great hamburgers, as I, I believe it's called. Uh, okay, fun. but you know, so I don't know if that answers your question. It does. But, it does. but um, you just have to be really careful. And I was thankful that I served in in the area before. You know, just south of there at Arlington, at Cal, you know, at Calvary, because I found out very quickly that almost everybody's at least a second cousin. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how everybody's related. It's, I, I don't mean this as a total derogatory hit, but I, I almost felt like I was in the Ozarks or something like that because it's like everybody everybody is interconnected somehow. You're either married into it or, or your blood. And so you just have to be really careful. You cannot talk about personal aspects of ministry with anybody in your congregation. Mm-hmm. And that's, I'm just, that's my, my, that's my opinion. You, you, 
I have pastor friends that I call weekly that I'll be a vent if I need to. I have a wonderful wife who listens to me in that area. I don't tell her everything either because I don't want her to develop a bad attitude about some of that. So you just got to make sure that you're very careful with what you share with people. Hmm. Yep. Uh, what about visitation? It's, yeah, that's How's a that huge, different. Oh yeah. Well, it's not. Well, it's different in the fact that I can actually go to their house, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they actually want me to. Where I remember coming to a suburban church that I was called to, nobody wanted me to come to their house. They wanted me to coffee shops. That was weird to me. I, don't, I really didn't quite understand that. Some people did, you know, maybe some of the older couples of theirs, but they're like, oh yeah, come to our house. But it's like, well, no, I, why don't we just meet at a coffee shop, you know? And then when you get downtown, I, well, I was, of course, I was at Hope during the pandemic. And so we couldn't do anything. You know, you couldn't go even go to someone who was in hospice care to pray for them in the final moments of their life. That was horrible. Yeah. You know, where when I when I, I started out um, at Lake Norton and Badger at, right in the beginning of 2021, so some of those things were still in place. But in the nicest way I can say this, uh, <laughs> did you um, just say bless your heart? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Uh, there was a reasonableness to the assisted living homes and the hospitals where they knew if this was the end, they would let you in. Hmm. And they, I appreciate that very, very much. Whereas, like I said, sometimes they wouldn't, they wouldn't even let me in to see congregation members that were hours away from dying in Minneapolis. And that was a tragedy to me. And um, it was like, you know, you have enough struggles. And so here's, this is Brian's opinion. This is not necessarily the view of being Lutheran, just saying this out loud, <laughs> that uh, it's enough to be hindered by sometimes uh, people and Satan working in your congregation. I didn't need the government to add to that. And you know what I'm saying? Well, I think we all came to that conclusion eventually. I, I, I have tried to find a mediating position on this, and I think it was fair in the first couple of months of the pandemic when no one knew what was going on, no one knew exactly what COVID was or what its effect, that we all kind of were like, let's be safe about this. But when it became clear that it was something other than it's going to, you know, the bubonic plague, uh, I was very appreciative of those who stood on the front lines and told the government here, but no farther. Yeah. And, and you're not going to dictate to, you know, like no singing. Well, what difference does that make? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and those sorts of things. It's, it's also interesting to me having grown up in a rural culture, but lived in a city for, you know, really the majority of my life, the differences between a private and a public culture, because in the city, everything is private. You know, like you said, yeah. so your mm-hmm. all pastoral visitation is done uh, at a third party location, a coffee shop or over lunch or, you know, and, and by appointment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have friends who are pastors out in rural congregation. Brett, you've been a pastor in a rural congregation. Mm-hmm. Adam, you've been a pastor in a rural congregation. Not only is it uh, allowed, but it's expected that you will just randomly yeah, show up at people's in. houses. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's kind of a running joke with the congregations I serve about my motorcycle. They tease me about it, but they love when I... You know, I come over and my hair's all messy. They don't really care, you know, and it's fun. You got bugs in your teeth. Mm-hmm. I wear a helmet, so okay. that's, you know. But, but no, it's, um, yeah, and I love that. I love being able to just swing by. I actually did that before I came out here, and I was um, running an errand, and I didn't necessarily need to be in a hurry, and it was so fun. I just stopped by two places, 
and this is going to sound funny, but there was a young couple who had just built a new house and they had the old house there and they were burning it down. And it was fun. They had a Man, big, I huge... missed that part. <laughs> yeah. That was... So all of a sudden I see this big billow of smoke and I, they're out there on a the lawn chair just watching it, you know, and I, I drove by, they waved and I, I slammed on my brakes. I turned around and sat and just chatted with them for about an hour. It was so much fun. And I thought you were going to say immediately you went on Twitter to see, you know, if, I, if there was another cop you know, yeah, who had no, killed I... somebody or something, you know, and there was now riots again. Yeah. Kind of uh... in, in the country, you'd burn down buildings for fun for other reasons. Yeah, yes. Yeah. This was just the easiest way to get rid of it. But yeah, you're not going to find a Brian Ricky Twitter account. Just saying. But, um, yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was just fun to sit and ju- you know chat with them. And so I got on my bike and um, Steve Gilbertson, who I'd mentioned earlier, he was the president of the call committee. He's got kennels and he raises hunting dogs. And my son, youngest son, works for him occasionally. He was outside mowing the lawn. I swung by and just chatted with him for a while. I just love that. I just love that there's a a community where I can just talk with people. And even there's this barn grill right in downtown Badger. I'll just stop in there occasionally and just start talking with people. And it's amazing how those conversations lead to someone going back to church. And that's what I love. That's the part I love. Hmm. Yep. That's awesome. So, so Brian, as we kind of wrap up this episode of kind of catching up with you, and uh, is there anything else you'd want to share with uh, our listeners in, in terms of uh, how you've been doing? And, and Well, let's yep. be a little bit more self-centered about this. What do you miss most about yeah. the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that might, I'll try to be short because I know yeah. we're trying to wrap this yeah. up, but I miss you guys. Yeah. No, I do. I, I mean, we had some very meaningful and... Um, I got to be careful because I'll probably cry, but very meaningful and very important conversations with you guys. Um, and those you, are, and that always recorded. It was no, like the, the you guys were my before, brothers yep. and uh, to share some sometimes together the burdens of ministry and to pray for one another. Uh, there was, it was such a safe environment. I know people overuse that and I'm not trying to, but it was as a pastor, sometimes you don't have safe environments to, to speak freely in. Mm-hmm. And we had that. And so it was almost like a sanctuary where mm-hmm. we come to the studio and, um, you know, yeah, we would just hang out and, um, I won't say it, I guess, but, you know, I just didn't just share things together. And yeah. so I just, Sing Kumbaya was yeah, great. Right. yeah, that's not true, but <laughs> hey, yeah, it was, it was so that well, we, I missed that. I do miss that. And we, we still do that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Except for, yeah, I, I never got that experience. Why don't you guys talk to me when we stop recording? <laughs> like they literally just shut down and walk out of the room. Yeah, you sad. ain't got to go home, but you got it. You know, uh, now I know where I rank. Thanks yeah. a lot, Jason. You, so that, you are easily in the top four co-hosts of, <laughs> the the other thing is just how you guys challenged me in my own ministry. You know, as we looked at texts, we looked at, you know, especially um, the Old and New Testament lessons for whatever we were on. Man, I love that. That was so much fun to do that together because sometimes you got pastors like, oh, don't play in my sandbox and I won't play in your sandbox. But we didn't have that. You know, we just had like this cool brotherly, hey, let's let's look at this and look at honest, honestly and look how to apply it. So anyway, that's, that's probably what I missed the most. So. Yeah, very good. Well, thanks. Thanks Brian for joining us here and we'll uh, continue our conversation next time. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. 
Check out the up-and-coming Spotlight Conference at the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary on October 10th and the 11th. Messages from Keith Barron and Matt Whitman will encourage students and guests to trust and enjoy the Scripture and the promises of God. To register for free, go to flbc.edu events. God bless you and have a great week.